I just have to move, right? I need a little salsa in my life. Well, I am so excited about our next two weeks together as we talk about the final rose, dating, sex, and marriage. Now, as I'm sure you have guessed, we got the kind of theme for this from the very popular reality show, The Bachelor, or The Bachelorette, whichever one you prefer, if you have an inkling towards one or the other. Now, I will admit that I was a very avid watcher of the show when it first started, until the relationship between Andrew Firestone and Jen Sheft went kaput in season three, and then I said, nope, I'm done, I'm done. Surprisingly, you can't find true love on a TV show. Who knew? Who knew? But that hasn't stopped us from trying, right? I think on any given night of the week, you could turn on your television and find some sort of reality dating show. And I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but I think we're safe to say that at least 75, 80% of the crowd here has turned on a show like that at some point or another in your life. But what is it about these shows that draws us in? What is it that makes us want to set our DVR and Google spoiler alerts to see who ends up with who and read the trashy magazines to find out all the sordid details? I mean, and this is not a new thing either, right? It's not something else that we can blame on the millennials. This has been around for a while. Again, I won't make you raise your hand, but maybe you remember the dating game that started back in 1965. Yes, a few of us, okay. All right. I think part of what draws us in, I think part of it is probably that dark side of ourselves, right, that can't stand to not look at a train wreck. (laughs) We know it's gonna get bad. We know it's gonna get ugly. Ooh, but we want to see every minute of it. But I think even more than that is that there's something within us, some deep desire that we have to see, to experience, to know what love is. We were created, we were born to experience love, both to give love and to receive love. In fact, as theologian Renita Weems writes, we are our happiest, our strongest, our most creative and most forgiving when we are in love. She says we are also our most confident and secure about ourselves as individuals when we know that we are loved unconditionally. The problem we run into, however, is that we've lost the meaning of what love truly is. And instead, we've turned to the answers that reality shows give us. Let's see just how connected you guys really are with reality television. Can we get the results from our poll earlier to see how you did? Let's see. All right, 67% dating in the sun. That is correct. That is not a reality dating show. So good job. Way to go. There's one actually called Dating in the Dark, so I just changed the word to Dating in the Sun, see if I could trick you. But, so yeah, I think, I think we're a little bit connected with what our world may see as love or desire. We've become 
accustomed to equating love with some sort of emotion, right? Something that makes our, our stomachs flutter or our heartbeat go a little faster. We've connected love with what is on the surface of a relationship, that we're comfortable with someone, that we ha have a lot in common or we can have really good conversations. Or maybe even we've connected love too much with the physical connection and the, the intimate aspects of a relationship. And while each of these is an important aspect of love, if we take them separately, then we're depreciating the value of good, true, real, divine love. Without a true understanding of love, we seek out what feels most like love to us. And we start looking for love without knowing really what it is we're looking for. But where do we even start, right? I mean, we've said that maybe we can't find it on a television show. But where do we look? Do we seek it out at work or at school? Maybe at church? At the gym? At a bar? Online? Or trusting our friends to set us up? Where do we find love? All right, well, I want to find out specifically from you in another poll, how did you meet your significant other? All right, how did you meet? So our answers are A, work, B, school, C, church, D, online, E, a mutual friend, or F, other. All right, work, school, church, online, Mutual friend, other. Oh, all right. Random encounter, yes, good. All right, so we're, we're almost even here in the room. We got a little bit of everything going on. Mutual friend, that's always, or at least, I can't say always, but it should be a safe bet because that person knows you, so hopefully they'll set you up with somebody that would be a good fit. All right, well, thanks for sharing that information, guys. So when you went looking for love, or maybe love came looking for you, how did you know you had found it? When do we know, and then how do we keep it once we think we have it? So this morning, I want to start exploring some of these questions of love and relationships. And to do that, we're going to start by turning to a book of the Bible that is all about love. And I'm not talking good, sweet, little Christian, purity ring, I kiss dating goodbye kind of love, okay? This book dives deep into the passionate, intimate, and powerful love that can be shared between two people. If you've never read Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, as it's sometimes called, I encourage you to make that your homework this week, okay? It's only eight chapters long, so it's a short book. But within those chapters, you will find the most amazing love poem that chronicles the love story between two people 
as they learn what it is to long for another person, to care for another person, to desire another person, and to truly love another person. The narration in the book flows back and forth between the male and female protagonists as they navigate this journey of love. And I want to read first from the third chapter, which begins with the woman's voice. So you'll see it up on the screen. Song of Songs, chapter 3. Upon my bed, night after night, I looked for the one whom I love with all my heart. I looked for him, but I couldn't find him. I will rise now and go all around the city, through the streets and the squares. I will look for the one whom I love with all my heart. I looked for him, but I couldn't find him. Now, the first two chapters of this book go back and forth between each character, just lavishing compliments upon the other person, how amazing they look, how amazing they are. But now we find that the woman is without the man, and she goes and searches him out, but she can't find him. As we keep reading, they have a series of, of missed encounters one after the other, but they are finally reunited. And in the final chapter of the book, the woman says this, set me as a seal over your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, passionate love, unrelenting as the grave. Rushing waters can't quench love, rivers can't wash it away like to see Hallmark beat that on an anniversary card, right? Hello. But beyond that beautiful imagery illustrated in the poem, the Song of Songs teaches us what true love is really meant to be. Gives us insight into the kind of loving relationships that God calls us into. Now I want to stop and, and pause here just for a minute because so often when we talk about these kind of loving relationships, we are talking about those committed relationships, right, between spouses or in a dating relationship. But this morning as we talk about what it means to love, I want you to take that and place it into your own context. Whether that is a strong, committed relationship whether that's a friendship, whether that's a work relationship, whether that's how you interact with casual acquaintances or even how you interact with a stranger. What the scriptures have to teach us about love can be applied in every situation. So you're not off the hook. You can't kind of tap out and zone out for the rest of the time. This is for all of us, no matter what age or stage we may be in. So what is it that this love poem shows us? Well, it first reminds us that God's story, this story between God and God's people that is revealed in the scriptures, it cares about how we love. Too often I think people want to push and push and say the Bible tells us who to love, well, more often than not, 
whether it's in the Old Testament, like here in Song of Songs, or throughout the New Testament and the stories of Jesus, the Bible cares much more about how we love. How we love each other. And how do these two people love? They love with passion. And they love with patience. As you read through this text, you feel this deep desire that they have for one another. A desire that is, yes, physical, but also spiritual. And throughout the book, they have the opportunity to engage in physical intimacy. And yet they choose to pause. And they find that it's much more important to their story of love to explore one another's hearts before they explore one another's bodies. Now the characters in this love story, they remind us that love is work. It takes effort. It's filled with peaks and with valleys. One minute the two are intertwined and lavishing compliments upon each other. And the next they're separated, seeking one another out. And even at one point, They find each other, but they're not so sure that they want to be around each other at that time. Yeah, those are some knowing laughs. Yeah, I get it. Get it. But because their love goes deeper than just some fleeting feeling, they are willing to work for it, to stay in it, to be present, to be accountable, and to see things through. And while love may take work and it may challenge us, the couple in Song of Songs shows us that relationships are not meant to be a power struggle. In any and every love story, there is no room for domination. True love is about mutual love, mutual respect, building one another up so that each can be equally strong within the relationship. For it's this kind of love, this powerful, transforming, transcendent love, it brings us back to the truths of who we were created to be. We were created to love. We were created in the image of God, a God who those scriptures tell us is first and foremost love. In fact, Renita Weems, who I quoted earlier, she says, our ability to love is what makes us most like God. I love that. That we're created in God's image and the way that we can get the closest to that image is in love, in sharing love, in how we love. I want to pause here for a minute and turn things back over to you. All right, so we got another poll, so get your phones ready. I want to know what you have to say about what love truly is. All right. What love truly is. You're going to see some options up on the screen. All right. What is the most important thing you 
have in a loving relationship. Accountability, physical attraction, mutual respect, a willingness to listen, or a strong passion and intensity. All right, so you got about 15 seconds to, to answer this one. What quality do you find most important in a loving relationship? No right answer here. This is just for you personally. All right. Looks like we kind of have a clear winner here. All right. Mutual respect. All right. I mean, we know physical attraction is important. All right. I know nobody's voting for that one, but it's all right. It's fine. Oh, thank you. Somebody just gave me a vote for it. I saw a bump. Yeah. Thank you. All right, so mutual respect. All right, let's keep that one in our, in our heads for just a minute. A second poll. Using similar answers. How do you experience love in your current relationships? How are you experiencing love in your current relationships? Accountability, physical attraction, mutual respect, willingness to listen, a strong passion or intense feelings in your relationships, whatever that may look like. How do you experience love? All right, everybody get a chance? Good. All right, this one we have a little bit wider breadth of answers, right? How are we experiencing love? We all experience love in different ways, right? One of my favorite books is, is The Five Love Languages, right, by Chapman, who tells us how we, we experience love and the best ways for us to kind of fill one another's love buckets, right? Um, can we get the results to that back up there, if y'all can? But it was interesting to see that in the first poll, the majority of folks said that they, the most important quality, right, is mutual respect. But then as we go into how we are experiencing love now, we still have that mutual respect as a high number, but we've got a little bit more variety. I think that's important for us to carry with us as we think about the relationships that we're involved in. What is important to us and are we experiencing what's important to us? Because these relationships, as we're learning, it's not just about what feels good, right? But what is good and true for us. So thank you for participating in those polls. So if these are the qualities that we most look for in a loving relationship, how do we go about getting those into our lives? What in our lives may be working against us and the ways that we seek to live into God's vision for love in the world? Do we even feel empowered enough to express this kind of love freely? Or is there some sort of expectation, either explicitly stated or just implicitly understood, that hinders the way we talk about love and experience love. 
I'm going to turn now to the book of Galatians and the New Testament. As Paul is reminding the church in Galatia what their freedom in Christ means for the way they experience and share love as believers. Galatians chapter 5. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses. But serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful that you don't get eaten up by each other. See, in this letter, Paul wants this group of believers to embrace the freedom that they have received in Christ. Be free from the law of Moses. Be free from trying to live into some set of rules or, or expectations. As you enter into loving relationships with one another, it's not about doing this or saying that just because that's what the law has prescribed. Instead, Paul encourages the church to live into Christ's freedom that calls us to love one another without restraint. I fear that so often when the church talks about love, we talk about it with this set of rules and laws and expectations. You should date like this, and you should experience intimacy like that. Or maybe more often, you should not date like this. You should not experience intimacy this way. You should not love in this way. But Paul here seeks to set us free from these rules and these laws and these expectations that bound us. Not so that we can just do whatever we want. That's not what he's saying. But that so we may be free to love and serve one another. Just as God has loved us. That we don't have to put caveats on how we love. Or why we love. Or who we love. But that we love because God first loved us. Serve one another in love, Paul says, because love, true divine love, is focused on the other and not on the self. Follow the movement of the Holy Spirit that allows us to be a little bit more flexible and a little bit more free so that when we enter into a situation and we see that love is needed, we can extend that love without having to check to see if it's okay. But that we just love and serve in love. As I said earlier, it is our ability to love that makes us most like God. For God is first and foremost love. And so as we seek to live into our true identity as created in the image of God, how might we embody this divine love in our relationships today? Having been set free from the law, what does it mean to love as God loves? 
St. Augustine, one of the great saints of the church, puts it this way. Short, sweet, to the point. Love and do what you will. Love. And let it all else follow from there. Because if love is the impetus, if love is the catalyst, if love is the motive, and if love is the goal, then we cannot go wrong. Because God's love will guide us. Let love be where we begin and let love be where we are heading so that our lives are guided and we begin to seek out and experience and maintain true, loving relationships of every kind in our lives. So as we close our message this morning. I'm going to invite you into one last poll to reflect on the ways that you experience love in your relationships and the ways in which God is calling you to love in new ways. This last poll, it's, it's open-ended and it's anonymous. So I hope that you will be open and honest as you write out your prayer to God for your relationships, for how you want to love, or maybe even how you need to be loved, what is your prayer? So the band is going to come up and play, and we're going to have the whole song to reflect and to enter in your prayer. And they will start scrolling on the screens as you enter them in. But what is your prayer for your current relationships? How might God's love transform how you love? You're invited to respond.